Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Stock Talk with Rob Black. Black. Welcome in, Rob Black. Talking stock, talking stock, talk, talking stock action. Talking sectors, talking investment themes, talking movers and shakers, and why they're moving and shaking. Talking stocks that you should pay attention to. I did Stock Talk on CNET Radio. It's one of the uh, best shows that I've ever been tied myself to. I've been doing financial media for 20-odd years now, give or take a year. That gives me two or three years to play with on either side, right? Statistically speaking, uh, a couple things that I could talk about. You know, when it comes to the world of stocks, I'm going to try to give you the best ideas. I'm going to try to give you the best in investment ideas. I ask that you recommend this show to others. I ask that you spread the word. Um, I ask that you come to seminars uh, that I do. They're free of charge. They cost no money. It's just a nice way of seeing that radio does work and that it does communicate. Um, you can use the code radio 25. Anytime there is an event, you can sign up at robblackshow.com. Plus there's a newsletter there that I'm going to be sitting out before the end of the year. Two areas that, you know, jump out to me instantly. Three areas that I want to talk about the overbought market. We all know it's overbought. If you're not paying attention to the last 15 to 20 years, we've had a glorious run. We've had two, uh, spurts that have been painful. In the short term, but in the long term, it's been a glorious 20 years, right? Are you with me or are you against me? Because you got to pick a side. This is a civil war of stupidity. You're either on the stupid side or you're on the winning side. Philip Morris stock could pack 22% upside. So says one analyst. Now, cute, cute turn of the phrase, pack 22% upside, right? Then you get the stock market. Then you get Alibaba in the news talking about spending $15 billion on R&D over the next three years. When R&D is all said and done, it's gone, right? Unless you have something to show for it out of it. I like Alibaba. They are the Chinese Amazon. I like Amazon. They are the Amazon Amazon or the U.S. Amazon. I like C-Trip. You've heard me talk about a lot of stocks on this show, and so far I've been right. You know why? Because we're in an overbought market. There hasn't been any shakeout. There hasn't been any calling of me. I did hear on a commercial just the other day, somewhere in financial media, just a really stupid real estate, really stupid, stupid real estate person say, you don't even know if mutual funds are buying stocks. You actually do. And if that fool ever wants to challenge me, I'll throw down $1 million of my own dollars versus 10000 of his for uh, charity on whether or not you do know if mutual funds buy stock. I don't necessarily recommend mutual funds. I have nothing to be uh, get from it. I can tell you that I think index funds and exchange traded funds are the way to get to retirement for most Americans. And uh, when you were in an overbought market, guess what? You got to suck it up and buy. And when in an oversold market, guess what you got to do? Suck it up and buy. 
And over time, you're going to have opportunities in your life where you're able to say, I should put some more money in the market somewhere else, right? Financial media is now uh, full of commentators calling the market wildly overbought. Turn on CNBC or Bloomberg Television, you'll see the C word. It's not the C word that you're thinking of. Go get some soap and wash out your mouth. Uh, crash is the C word that I'm thinking of. Unfortunately, for people, you, for you, for the media, we confuse you. For the financial experts, we confuse you. Will it crash? Will it not crash? Do you know what to do? Do you know what not to do? If you're under 50, you're a wealth accumulator. Accumulate wealth. This is your downside time when there's a crash. To be sure, investors should be concerned with everyone who's excessively bullish and going, market's going higher, market's going 22% higher, market's going 33% higher, we're overbought. That doesn't mean that overbought means it's time to sell. It Sometimes it means it's time to look at your portfolio. The most bullish thing a market can do is get overbought and stay that way. It's fantastic. It's a loving thought. That's uh, one of the quotes that I uh, go back to on occasion by a guy named Alan Shaw. He's legendary former head of technical analysis at Smith Barney. Sentiment is an environmental clue and not a sell signal. It's a clue and not a sell signal. When it's too bullish, there's a little boofer, a little boofer against a negative surprise. I know you're saying, isn't that pronounced buffer? No, no, no. It actually got changed. Um, it could be an earnings disappointment or a spike in interest rates. Something will cause the market to pull back at some point in time. It could be a war wars on Twitter between the president and the Republicans or the president and head of Hollywood. Who knows what's going to cause the, the market to break? It's always something different. And every year, there's always a wall of worry to climb on Wall Street. Uh, sometimes it's high price of oil. Sometimes it's low price of oil. Sometimes it's dictators in North Korea. Sometimes it's uh, you know Putin invading uh, the Crimea. Sometimes it's uh, terrorism. Sometimes it's you know bad earnings from one company. Sometimes it's bad sector. There's always a wall of worry on Wall Street. So in December 1999, little Prince action. So tonight we're gonna party like it's night. 1999. The Nasdaq was overbought. Uh, it was clear. Uh, we had just crazy runs, crazy up runs. Uh, investing in the 90s was fun. People would give me $10,000, $10,000 and ask if I could turn it into $100,000 in three months. Pretty offensive. So 1999 was a good time. That doesn't mean the market's going to run up another 25% like it did before it finally went from overbought to, whoops, peak. And that peak, you know, how long did it take for the NASDAQ to get back to it? A long time is the right answer. How long did it take the Dow or the S&P 500? Different amounts of times because they've got different compositions. So there's some warning sentiment out there. And right now it's that there's not a lot of fear. There's not a lot of people thinking things are negative. Guess what just happened in 1999? We were a little afraid of Y2K. Do you remember Y2K? And will your mom and dad get their social security checks? Will they, you know, what's going to happen when the computers reset to zero, zero? Will everyone suddenly become negative years old? According to the computers, ah, coffee. Um, so the market can and will fall, sh fall, fall sharply. It hasn't happened in a long time. And that's Okay. Uh, right now, it's smooth. It's broad-based. Um, there's a lot going on on the positives. New highs are bullish, not bearish. There's momentum going on. 
So, but you should be looking for things that can go wrong. I think that makes you a smart investor when you do. So not, not being on the lookout makes you just kind of, you know, not there. I hate, I hate looking at my portfolio. I hate looking at my wealth, but I do it on a regular basis. Typically I do it at lunchtime. I'll do it on a computer or a smartphone. Um, I'll take a look at my performers. And if I have something that's done particularly well, I might sell some of it and fund something that's done particularly poorly in the world of, of mutual funds or stocks. Um, so mutual funds, ETFs, and indices, to me, I like to sell winners to rebalance into losers or underperformers because we're not losers. We're not allowed to say that term. Everyone gets a trophy. Uh, you showed up. You attended. You're just an underperformer, but you did show up. Uh, but with stocks, I like doing the opposite. I like selling my losers. Like, what was I thinking? And buying more of my winners because winners win. Winners. Uh, one of the stocks that is a winner that I'm going to talk about is a company called Alibaba. Ticker symbol Baba. So during this commercial break, if you want to go line yourself up with a little research, little notes, I will throw some at you when we come back after break. Remember, you can always get into events for free. Go to Rob Black Show, Rob Black Show. Find out when I'm doing a seminar speaking gig. They're typically $25, which is not a lot. Keeps the riffraff out. But if you use code Radio25 as a radio listener, you will get in for free. It's Radio25 at robblackshow.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. And streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. Stock Talk with Rob Black. Black. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Very, very soon I'm going to be saying happy holidays. That's how short of a time we have left in the calendar year. It's time to go shopping. It's expected to be a good shopping season. A lot of Americans have jobs that we've been talking about, and a lot of Americans aren't losing their jobs. That's a nice one-two kind of punch, so to speak. So I talk stocks here. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m., CFP, Chad Burton, and myself kind of trade off on our shows. I typically do Mondays and Thursdays stock talk, and he typically does Tuesdays and Wednesdays uh, all about wealth preservation and wealth management. A little bit different. I create it, and he manages it. We're a good one-two kind of punch. I'm Rob Black, talking all things, so don't be shy money investing, and more. I want to talk a little bit about a company called Baba, um, because they're doing something that I find super important as an investor. They're investing in R&D. Big announcement comes out of Alibaba, but let's talk a little about Alibaba first. Who are they? Who do they compete with? They're an online retailer, in theory. They're a web portal. Yes, They are mail, sure. Cloud computing, yes, check. Uh, What they are is millions of registered users tied towards China and Asia. Group was founded in 1999. Once again, tonight we're going to party like it's 1999. And the little synthesizer. So... Alibaba is partying like it's 1999. Jack Ma, this is a great investment. Uh, it's been a great investment. There's been times to get in. 
it's not quite as well loved or beloved or known uh, in the investment community as Amazon. It's well known, trust me, but they haven't really made, uh, haven't cracked their way in to the United States retail market yet. Alibaba acquired Chinese online video provider Yuku Tudu for $4.6 billion. Uh, and you see companies like Google acquired YouTube, and you're like, okay. So Alibaba is a little bit of Amazon. I'm a little bit country. And Alibaba is a little bit rock and roll. So not only are they a little bit Google's YouTube, but they're also a little bit of Amazon's retail and Amazon's web services. So they're a nice company. You get the basic idea. Uh, plus, they got a lot of email. They're majority owned by SoftBank and Yahoo. So those companies will sell shares over time. What I want to talk about today was that it's expected that Alibaba is going to invest $15 billion on research and development over the next three years through its newly established Alibaba Damo economy. The company said in a statement, uh, which stands for Academy of Discovery, Adventure, Momentum, and Outlook, it's going to cover data intelligence, the Internet of Things, fintech, financial technology, quantum computing, and human-machine interaction. Within those areas, it will focus on real-world applications like machine learning, network security, visual computing, and natural language processing. Alibaba's chief technology officer, Jeff Zhang, he's going to head the initiative, talking about developing the next-generation technology aiming to discover breakthrough technologies that will enable greater efficiency, network security, and ecosystems energy. Uh, over the last 18 years, they've developed a robust technology infrastructure that supports rapid growth. Blah, 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 blah. So a lot of the PR that comes out with this $15 billion announcement turns into blah, 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 right? Like, I, I lost you in that, I think. And that was kind of my goal, is that at some point in time, let's say the economy goes south, and Alibaba's stock isn't hitting all-time highs, they're going to look around and they're going to say, you know, Jack, which he's awesome, by the way, having dressed up as Michael Jackson, speaking about Prince, Alibaba's CEO dressed up as Michael Jackson at a recent uh, corporate event, uh, did the dancing at all, comes across as a little bit media challenged when he's on US TV. But I would come across. But the chair is not my son. What's that even mean? What's that even mean? So, David Letterman couldn't understand the, the lyrics, and he thought the line was, the chair is not my my son. Um, and he went on and on and on and on and on. It's a pretty dark song to say now, if you ever get a chance to listen to it. Do you think Michael Jackson's all happy and fun? Not so much. Okay, so back to Alibaba. So, treasure trove of e-commerce websites in Asia. Um, I like the company. I, there's a lot of research on it. If you have an account with a Fidelity or a Vanguard or TD Ameritrade, you could likely hit your online login and, and take a look. And I highly recommend you take a look at like a Standard Poor's research report on it. Um, again, I kind of like in China. I kind of like Alibaba and Ctrip as my two plays. Um, but in the United States, you can go Google, Amazon, Netflix, Apple. You can look at these big tech companies and, and see the dominant players. And I like dominant players. Um, I don't like betting on the the three-legged horse is going to grow a fourth leg. I don't like betting on the weak horse. It's never won a race. It's something going to win races. Uh, this is my money that we're talking about. 
Uh, Wall Street didn't really jump up and down about Alibaba and their announcement of this worldwide collaboration, $15 billion research and development. But again, that's something that could always be cut. You know, Apple just built a super space station of a, a new office building. Down the road, it's going to be shut down. At some point, no, maybe not all of it, but go look at Nokia's headquarters. And Nokia once was Apple. And digital equipment once was Dell. A lot of tech companies do slip and fall. And a lot like the commercial, I've fallen and I can't get up. Um, there's not a button that these companies can necessarily hit. But on the way down, companies like Alibaba and Apple could say, you know what? We don't need to spend billions and billions and billions of dollars on research and development. We're going to write out what we've uh, learned. And next up, we don't really need a world headquarters that can fit 100,000 employees. We're going to you know, trim those by 20% down to 80,000 employees. Uh, so there's a lot of good going on there. So I like uh, what I'm talking about, and that's all I'm going to say. By the way, one of Alibaba's founders is in discussions to purchase a stake in NBA's Brooklyn Nets, which uh, we recently saw, oddly enough, Apple's widow, Steve Jobs' widow, uh, buy into the Washington Capitals and the Washington Wizards. Two very middle-of-the-road franchises. But yet, when the franchises are hitting all-time record highs, why not buy the middle-of-the-road? Because it probably has the most upside. A lot like your real estate. What has the most upside? The highest, uh, most expensive stuff that's already moved? Maybe not. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. What is this? Stock Talk with Rob Black. Black. <clears throat> I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. I like to pay attention to wealthy people and successful people. BlackRock Chief Larry Fink says he does not put a high probability on the Federal Reserve making a mistake. But get this, his greatest fear is the Federal Reserve making a mistake. Do you like the Federal Reserve talk or not? Do you like talking Janet Yellen and how she looks all beautiful and doughy and white and flaky like a biscuit? She kind of looks like your grandmother. She's lovely. Lovely on the eyes. Or do you not like talking CNBC and talking uh, central bankers and talking, you know, Fed policy meetings? Will she stay or will she go? She loves me. She loves me not. Well, one of the smartest guys, I think, on the planet, financially speaking, was BlackRock Chief Larry Fink. And he says, my greatest fear is the, for the markets is a Fed mistake. And I think that's, you know, telling like, okay, so let me tell you what my biggest fears are on the market right now. And you can fight back with me if you want. Um, one, one, my number one, not my number one fear um, is something tied towards the Trump policy. So I build forecasts and look at employment. That's where you start in my world of how will the Wall Street work in the future. But the high-tax stocks versus the S&P 500 and how the works, the group of stocks that would benefit the most from a corporate tax cut surged after the election. 
but slid shortly thereafter, suggesting investors are doubtful that the president, you know, Donald Trump's plans can get tax rate cut from 35 down to 20 percent. Um, so the market would applaud that. And if it doesn't happen, the market's going to say, you know what? American taxes suck. And companies like Apple, instead of taking their $250 plus billion in cash and bringing it back to the United States and giving the, you know, the federal government their share and then doing it with it and creating wealth by either buying back shares or doing a one-time dividend or building a big office building or acquiring companies or investing in new technology, um, it'll be status quo. So will the Fed, uh, not the Fed, but will Trump get any sort of tax plan throw? Wall Street's kind of counting on something. Then there's this new Fed leadership issue where Janet Yellen, who I'm in love with, Janet, call me. Uh, she's the king of bankers, or in this case, the queen of bankers of the United States. And she gets together and she robbles with other Federal Reserve members. And they say, rabble, 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 rabble. here yelling, rabble, rabble, rabble isn't going to help anything. So they're all trying to figure out, like, what's inflation look like over in your part of the country? What's jobs numbers look like over in your part of the country? How many openings are there? Are people, you know, you know going to spend at Christmas time? Let's write a paper. And they'll write a paper about why it's stupid to pay off your mortgage. And then they're like, oh, let's rabble again. Uh, so she's probably on her way out because Trump kind of likes to shake things up. As my friend Taylor Swift once said, shake it up, shake it up. I challenge you to play that for a six-year-old and not watch a six-year-old dance. So there's a lot of key issues right now on Fed Chairman Jenny Allen's replacement. Who will it be? Will it be someone who's perceived independent of the Fed? Will it be someone who's very Fed-esque? Will it be someone who's very dovish and believes inflation? Or someone who's very uh, hawkish and, and wants to fight inflation? You know, a little inflation's okay. I think everyone would agree on that. Um, a lot of people don't even like the Fed. A lot of people think that's one of those institutions that should be blown up, that the dollar will find its own level, that the markets will find its own level on supply and demand. And you don't need the Federal Reserve, you know, financial engineering safety for the Wall Street. There is some of that going on. And I might be wealthier than you because I believe that statement. Volatility is something that I think could sink the market. Uh, Ensign Perlman, please load the torpedoes. One of the torpedoes, if you want to shoot said stock market, would write on it volatility. Market volatility has been extremely low, so there's an apathy. Being happy in apathy is not good. The pundits are characterizing investors right now as complacent. What else do we call complacent? How about that fat kid who eats Doritos on the couch all day? Wait, wait, that's my son? Yes. He's complacent. He's a big pile of goo. So... Do you believe that being complacent is bad? It can be, if you're not paying attention. Another thing that could damn the torpedoes, uh, currency. Uh, every 10% move in the dollar generates a 1% move in earnings per share in the opposite direction. So the trade-weighted dollar has slumped 9% this year. At work, if you do the math, it indicates a 10 to 1 ratio between currency moves and corporate profits. Unfortunately, the dollar's move is much more muted when measured on a year-over-year basis, down 3.3%. So currency movements and your faith in the U.S. dollar or your faith in the U.S. economy, all very, very important. And down the road, we're all going, hey, doesn't the U.S. have a lot of debt? And if we don't ever pay that back, if that day ever comes, what will happen to that value of the almighty dollar? North Korea could be a problem. You know, how much do we sanction the North Korean trade partners? 
um, because their biggest trade partner is China. And it's no big secret that China and the U.S. US kind of need each other. And I think at times we're awkward dance partners. The concern is not a North Korean attack, which investors are not expecting. But what happens? The U.S. you know punishes China and says, you know, China, you know, you're kind of giving these guys food, and they probably wouldn't be building weapons and and threatening to blow up South Korea and Japan and the U.S. if they didn't have food and money and cash and things like that. Um, so, which actions get targeted by the policy? I think finally, you know, something that could hurt the market is if we get a lot of skewed economic indicators in the next couple of months because of Hurricane Harvey and Hurricane Irma and the Santa Rosa and the Napa fires, you know, what's GDP really like? What's the unemployment numbers really like? Uh, you don't have a really good clue when, you know, all the numbers are all being padded or changed or, you know, accounting for the surplus based on or a minus based on, you know, claims of people in Houston not being able to go file. It's ironic. No, it's not ironic. It sucks right now because the U.S., you know, had a bad 2017 in terms of natural disasters and terrorism. Um, and I'm just throwing that out there. So 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Um, one of the stocks that I wanted to talk about, and I just went over some basic concepts of why I think the market could get hit or what could hit the market. Uh, I don't care. In the end, I'm not calling for anything like that. I'm just saying, you know, let's do what we can. I do what you can. Do what I told you. Um, stay involved in the market and just be open-minded. So Philip Morris shares have risen sharply uh, in the past uh, couple of days, and that doesn't always happen. You know, a company like a Philip Morris is pretty well known to be a cancer-making company. And in the United States, there's two companies. There's one called Philip Morris, which does international cigarettes, and one in the United States called Altria. Now, Altria is a name of a company that sounds too good to be true. You know, Altria, altruism. Welcome to the golden age of Altria. Wait, you make cigarettes? Get out of here. So, Philip Morris International, um, one of the things that we do is we export cancer to other parts of the world. Good for the U.S., um, shares have basically been moving recently as an analyst up to price target to 140 from 150, uh, from where it currently sits at 115. Stock was already up 25 plus percent for 2017. Plus, it has a nice fat dividend yield of three and a half percent, 3.7 percent. So, when you take a look at a company like a Philip Morris, it's considered a consumer staple. People want beer, bread, cigarettes water. Like, there's things that you just have to have to live, according to people. And when you take a look at a company like a Philip Morris, and I don't expect you to like this about me, because I'm an evil person, and I'm going to hell, and we all know that, um, is that a lot of their financial metrics are pretty awesome. If you look at their dividend yield, their free cash flow yield, their operating margins, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's good measurements. It's pretty hot. It's pretty sexy. So now Philip Morris is starting to make a name for itself for its, um, you know, heatless tobacco product, which could be a catalyst for growth as people don't, people associate heating the tobacco with causing problems. 
So uh, Philip Morris could reunite with domestic counterpart Altria as well, getting back together after they split apart. So the groundbreaking innovation of heatless tobacco. Remember how we talked a little bit about Alibaba? How Alibaba was doing a, a brand new angle of pumping $15 billion into R&D, research and development. Well, research and development comes up with things like heatless tobacco products. And the analyst says, you know, taking a look at the compounding annual growth rate, taking a look at total volume, taking a look at incre- incremental market share, uh, they see 20% upside to Philip Morris. Now, again, that's stock plus there's dividend that's going to protect it somewhat in a market downturn. So I throw that out there for you. I'm Ron Black, talking money, investing, and more. Let's take a break here. You're talking stock talk with me. You can find me online at Rob Black Show. Twitter me at Rob Black Show. Send me a tweet today. Tweet, tweet. Uh, any of you use the code RADIO25 at the seminar at the website for any seminar you can get in absolutely free. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Talk with Rob Black. Black. Hey. Hey. Oh. Hey. I want to be in a band and just be the hey-ho person. I don't want to shake a tambourine. I don't want to wear suspenders. I don't want to have a hipster beard. 800-516-1220. Do you realize that a mortgage is an amazingly powerful financial tool? It's like the saw of financial tools or the hammer. Total mortgage applications, whether they rise or fall, may not have an impact on you. But right now, the United States, we went through a period in 2006 where we were a little bit of drunken sailors, where we were giving loans to people that we shouldn't have been giving loans to. And the real estate market crashed. And I know a lot of people that went bankrupt. And go talk to people in areas that are being hit by fire and find out if real estate's the best investment they ever made. I'm surprised at how many people underinsure, how many people have no clue what's going on with their insurance. There's a page called Declarations that show what it covers, what it doesn't cover. I'm letting you cheat. You don't have to read your whole package. Just read the declarations to start. Uh, won't be the end-all, be-all, but it's a start. So insurance is amazingly powerful and needed and you need to understand it and know it you don't need whole life insurance you don't need variable life insurance why do you want variable life insurance which acts a little bit like an investment and a little bit like insurance you could have insurance let insurance be an insurance let investments be investments there's mutual funds and exchange traded funds and index funds that now cost five pennies for every hundred dollars you spend why get into something that costs a hundred pennies, a dollar to three dollars every time you buy or sell, uh, or get into that insurance every time you fund it? No way, bad idea. So whole life insurance bad. Uh, most of us are going to live a long time, and variable life insurance tied towards insurance bad idea. Uh, term life is the way to go. I just got a couple of new policies of term life myself. So, worthy of note, 800-516-1220 if you want to drop me an email. So, mortgages are great tools. And as I accumulate cash every year, I look around, I go, maybe I want to buy some more real estate. Maybe you're even wondering, is now the time to buy more real estate? Hey, boo, boo, bear. Um, So, investors are cautious right now. Uh, markets are hitting new highs on a pretty regular basis. Um, as far as earnings season goes, we are moving into the third quarter earnings season goes. 
And if you've never heard a conference call, do that this quarter. Um, and you don't have to listen to the first 45 minutes where the company goes over their earnings. Listen to the last 30 minutes where the company answers conference call questions from analysts and see what's worrying the analysts. That's what I would do. Um, in my opinion, that's the way we should be moving at this point in time. So I've hit Philip Morris. Uh, there was a talk. There was a stock that I just talked about having some nice upside, while having also some protective downside due to its dividend yield and its valuation. But the reason I bring something up like that is it's not a very popular stock, right? It's kind of tough to love. So. In news elsewhere out there today, Delta CEO is out on the horn talking about how great their first class is and how they got plenty of seats in first class. And, uh, it's just not the case. If you've ever used your reward points now, you have to use a lot of them to get upgraded. So you used to be able to like gamble and, and use a little bit to get them. Uh, but now is not the time. Delta Airlines reported better than expected earnings. Uh, elsewhere, a company called Mankind tumbled 8.1% after announcing plans to sell more stock. Um, anytime a company does a secondary, i.e., they're growing their business and they look around like a Tesla, this is an easy one to understand. Tesla will say, you know what? We just built a factory in Reno. But we also want to build a brand new factory in, on Mars. And we need a lot of money for that. So we're going to issue more shares. Anytime you do that, sometimes it's, it's the point where. You could actually say, okay, now I get it. They're selling shares here. They're raising a billion dollars. They just pulled in a billion dollars. What are they going to do with it? And let's say the stock's at 350 at that point in time, and it drops to 340 because they're issuing all these shares. That could be the entry, attractive entry point. So go do some research on what mankind does. Um, why are they raising money? PayPal up today. They advanced after getting upgraded to overweight from equal weight at Morgan Stanley. I like PayPal. I like the electronic transactions. I like Venmo. Uh, PayPal has a tie heavily towards eBay. That doesn't bother me. Uh, I haven't used eBay realistically, competitively for a long time, it feels like. And when I say competitively, you know, kind of actively is the right way of saying it. Schwab has an S&P 500 index right now that covers for nearly 80% less than Vanguard. It's a pretty good time to own ETFs. So the Vanguard total S&P 500 fund is 14 basis points. The Schwab is three. That's the lowest in the industry. Whoa, is there a big difference between the two? No. No. So elsewhere out there, Colgate Palm Olives in the news state, they're advancing 1% after getting upgraded to buy from hold at SunTrust Robinson. Colgate Palm Olive, in a good economy or a bad economy, do you think we're still going to brush our teeth? Do you think we're still going to use soap? Yes, is the answer. I think. I think. So, Oprah Winfrey walks to a bank for the first time since 1988. What does she do? She cashes a check, or she deposits a check for $2 million. Uh, why did she do it? Because we're not talking enough about Oprah Winfrey right now. And she likes that feeling of big money. Now, usually when we're at the bank with big money, we're like wiring money to cut, you know, do closing costs on a mortgage, and we hate it. But I guess if I had a check for $2 million, I'd walk into a physical bank and just wanting to do it, stand in line with other people, kind of show my check there. I love you, Oprah. Disney's opened up a new attraction this year, Oprah Mountain. So I think it's going to be at Disney World because they've got the reinforced steel plates for the, on the ground there. 
So anyway, you can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, Rob Black Talk and Stock. I'm Rob Black.